Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is a podcast uh, I'm dedicating to Irene May Bates, my grandmother. Um, And it's called Busyness Junkie, um, because it's about breaking out of the culture of overscheduling your life. Because uh, we have a collective habit of kind of keeping ourselves stressed out and just scheduled to the nines. Um, So what I'm going to talk about, the value of stepping back from your preoccupations to do nothing. That's right, nothing. And why to quit busyness um, as a habit, cold turkey, right now. So part one is about the why. This is important. Part two is kind of a self-diagnosis journal exercise. And part three is a set of three tools to create more personal time. And all of my references will be in the blog version of this post. Um, And you can check it out later this week on Teaspoon. So are you one of those people who is so busy and you just can't tell where your time is going? And maybe when you see somebody and they ask how you are, do you find yourself inclined to say, I am just so busy? Um, Because that's a state we can all relate to. And it's often a boast kind of hidden in a complaint. Because culturally, we've all kind of agreed to take on this state as something to strive for, something uh, that means you are accomplished. And also thanks to texting and smartphones and email and social media, it's kind of normal. Everybody's doing it. Um, So they are, all these things are making you mentally connected to all people, all obligations, all stores, all humans simultaneously. Hence the empty private time with yourself um, and being alone being completely gone. So busyness is a cultural habit that is also an addiction, physiologically as well as on a level of personal identity. I know that's a little bit heady, but I'm going to take it apart a little bit more. It's, it's basically a soothing tactic. So it's what we do to affirm that we are worthy and successful humans. It's also how we comfort ourselves and feel less afraid and less alone. Because if you are busy all the time, you never have time with yourself. It's also just the ego's way of confirming our importance in the world. So if we are needed, our time is valuable. So just think back to a time when you were invited to more than one party in a night. It likely made you feel a little bit more special. Like you had more connections to more people that really liked you and to many important people. So I am popular is likely the feeling it gave you. And why wouldn't you feel that way? Because when you are active socially and you're involved in a lot of different things, it just shows you have spirit and drive. So those are qualities that are real and the value of them is real. This is not about dismissing those. This is about not letting busyness and habits 
rule your life and steal it from you. Because the stuff, the schedule, the obligations, a lot of that at the end of this will mean nothing to you. It's a really hard habit to even recognize and it's even harder to shed because on a day-to-day -day basis it makes you feel good about yourself. I mean, you feel like you're doing things right. But it's that identifier that we can become reliant on. And it just becomes our, our definition of why we are good. And that is a big problem because it's external. When you allow external things to identify if you're good, that removes your ability to define yourself as good outside of them. Because that's something you should just be aware of at all times. They should be separate completely independent of one another. Your self-worth should not have anything to do with all of these external identifiers. But the biggest of all the downsides of busyness as a pattern is quite simply because you are not ever truly present. Like you are caught up by thoughts. Just that's what happens when you get stuck in managing a lot of diverse items in your life. So that's really what today's podcast is about. Slowing down and actually stopping. Like literally I am promoting the idea of doing absolutely nothing and not having the anxiety of of you should be doing something. That's what you've got to let go of is that habit. You are allowed to just be and hang out with nothing on your agenda and no one to respond to no text to return, no one to pick up, nothing to attend to, nothing to return. So when was the last time you sat in an extended amount of time just being, just like that? And that is just the perfect moment. I'm going to tell you all again about the Headspace contest because, quite honestly, that's one way to completely quiet your brain and just be manually it's like a practice you can do so if you haven't entered it yet and this is if you're listening to this between the months of april may june uh 2015 head to teaspoon of happy you can win a year free yo um alrighty, well let's get started so this structure again part one is why and to do nothing part two self-diagnosis and then part three is the tools part one why sarah should I aim to do nothing? Um, well, what do you remember most from your childhood? What was it in your most lasting, most vivid memories that sticks in your mind? Was it just weird, random games you made up? Was it like the things you built just messing around? Uh, all of those things came about because you were likely bored. And kids today don't really have as much time like that as we did. And that sucks, because <laughs> like, that's when life comes about, when you are just, just being. Like, that's when the sporadic, inspired games are played. So right now, if you are stuck in a busyness habit, you're not allowing the organic process of your life to happen. When every hour is accounted for, and every item is scheduled, there's nothing else left to chance. So, so much of your life uh, grows from the lack of plans. Like so much of the, the beauty of it comes from that part of it. Um, and if that's not a good enough reason, here are some more. Your ability to be present relies on you having time. 
to detach from active thinking. So you have to allow for uh, your body to actually rest and regenerate and your brain to do the same thing. And that's kind of like when some much greater wisdom is actually coming about that you're not even conscious of. It's just when you're relaxing. Um, so if you are going nonstop, just busy all the time, you're probably actually preventing your body from reaching this state completely like you're skipping it on a daily pro like on a, a daily basis I was actually doing this and I had no idea and I had like one of those cortisone tests like it's a saliva test you take it every hour um, but basically you're you need to allow your body and your brain and your person to stop to shut down to deactivate from stress and if you have been doing this habit for a really long time you're it's quite possible you are just stuck in it and you're never regenerating. So this is like the opposite of fight or flight, which is like the heightened state of um, chemicals that your body has when you're stressed out. I know a lot of people talk about it now, but it's like a pretty important thing to be aware of because when you have chronic stress, when you are just always thinking about things that are stressful or you are experiencing them or you're planning for them, your body is manifesting because your imagination can create those emotions in your body. Your body is experiencing stress all the time. And those are, those are chemicals that are not good for you. So what the rest and digest mode does for your body, it's when your body uh, metabolizes the fastest. So if you're stressed, you're not, your metabolism is shut down. That's a good motivator for you. But um, it's also when your brain is kind of sorting itself and like it's think of it like um it needs just an ability to not be active and your actual physiology needs to go through kind of like a cleansing process when you're resting so if you've been keeping yourself really really busy it's quite possible be it's it's likely that you are addicted to the harmful stress chemicals it's like a high they share the same chemical properties as drugs. Like, so if that's why this title is you, uh, is busyness junkie because it's unconscious. But if, if you even hate the stress, your body is likely still craving it unconsciously. Like it's because adrenaline is released when you're stressed and super busy. And that's the same thing. Like when you eat sugar, caffeine, or you take lots of drugs. So Additionally, when you are overburdened with tasks, you are you just become stupider as a human. Like literally you get less capable. I know this is research and I don't trust all research because you can research something and prove anything often, but I'm just gonna throw some stats at you. Because <laughs> people like stats. So this is um and I'll put all my references in the blog version of this. But researchers at the uh University of London found that multitasking lowers your IQ not just while you're doing it but afterwards it's uh this is a direct quote um participants who multitask during cognitive tasks experienced IQ score declines that were similar to what they'd expect if they'd smoked marijuana and or stayed up all night additionally um University of Sussex in the UK uh researchers compared the amount of time people spend on multiple devices, such as texting while watching TV, um, to MRI scans of their brains, and they found that high multitaskers 
had less brain density in the anterior cingulate cortex, <laughs> a region responsible for empathy as well as cognitive and emotional control. Sarah May, are you using scare tactics to drive home your point? A little bit, kind of. But basically, like, your brain gets sort of mushy <laughs> when you're doing all this stuff and not really focusing on one of it, one of them. Scary enough for you? Um, okay. Well, regardless of the studies, I am uh, going to throw one more case study at you. And this is a little bit more emotional. It's from the Australian singer-songwriter Bronnie Ware. Um, and you've probably seen this on HuffPo or something like that. There's like, this has been written about several times over the last five, five years. She wrote a book and it was called um, The Top Five Regrets of People on Their Deathbed, I think. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. So she worked for many years as a, she performed a specialized medical care for people with serious illnesses, like people that were basically living the last weeks of their life. So during the last 12 weeks of their life, she kind of noticed uh, a lot of similar themes coming up in people's wishes and regrets from their life. So the top five, the number one was wishing you had the courage to live life, a life that is true to yourself and not the life others expected. This was the most common regret. This is a quote from her. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Ware writes. Number two, wishing you hadn't worked so hard. And she said that every man she nursed experienced this regret, saying they missed their children's youth and their parents, their partner's companionship. Third, wishing you had the courage to express your feelings and wishing you stayed in touch with friends. And then fifth, wishing you'd left, let yourself be happier. So where says many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice and they had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. She adds, fear of change had them pretending to to others and to themselves, that they were content when deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. So that's kind of a big chunk of stuff to think about. I mean, that's like, do you need more reasons to address this problem? I doubt it. Because that's like, you don't get more real than that. Hey, Okay, so part two. So like, take a look at your time. That's my uh, playoff of a song I don't know the name to. But it's a journal exercise. So grab a journal. Um, basically, you're going to do a self-diagnosis of your time and how you spend your time in your life right now. So grab a journal or your phone, whatever it is, and step one, just take an inventory and do it as it's taking place. So I guess you could, in theory, you could base this off of your calendar, but if you have to, do it tomorrow. You're basically going to write down where you spend your time, like follow yourself for a day. So if you need help doing this, there's um, there are time management apps like Harvest that can like help you block them, or just use them. Just use your uh, phone and like write out what you are doing during each hour block of the day. So mark what time you wake up, what time you get in the car, what time you eat, what time you do all that stuff. So once you have that list of your day, I want you to take a look at each item 
because your goal is going to be to trim something or more than one thing that is costing you time that is unworthy of that time. Because once you do that, once you just remove one thing, let's say you remove the one thing that's causing you the most stress, you will see a massive chain reaction of for the better occur in your life. Like you, it won't even seem like it's that big of a deal, but then it will ripple outwards. So like it'll affect you dramatically just to not have the stress that this thing uh, caused you. And like you'll get more sleep and then you'll have more you wake up earlier and then you might even like lose weight. Like it's, you won't expect it to be that big, but a one single thing changing it is a massive difference. So right now you're likely managing a lot more stress around these little things than you think. So as you are trimming your list or as you are like kind of going through and trying to figure out what you could potentially trim, just thing, try to look for things that are not, um, that you're not interested in doing that you would not want to do if you didn't have to. Uh, So that's step one of this process. If you've done that part, step two is called pass the pen. So imagine you are sitting in like a weird time travel vortex and uh, kind of like quantum leap maybe. It's like a big glowing blue thing opens up and you're you're basically standing side by side with yourself in the future, who is on, like, basically about to die on your deathbed. I know it's morbid, but, like, you're going to hand that person the pen and your list. And basically, they are, let them decide. What does your end-of-life self say matters most and what needs to go? Because if you're super busy, something's got to give. You're wasting valuable time. So let that future self decide and basically go through circle and highlight your itinerary from the day and look at what needs to go and circle anything you're not doing for the good of your life and your happiness and your well-being or the happiness and well-being of your loved ones just start there I know this is a lot to uh, try and do without any help so I'm going to make a little um, outline for you to download on teaspoon and I'll put a link to it in this posting. So if you want to fill that out, it might be easier. The other thing I want you to analyze, ask yourself if any of that stuff is coming from a need to be perfect or is it because of guilt? Because there are other vicarious effects of that. Just all of this process is about remembering that this, the motivation uh, and the need you have to be busy currently is just a bad thought habit and it just means you've got to break it because a lot of this stuff on your schedule currently doesn't matter ask future self it's just the bad habit is that you think it matters so you literally forget that in the end it's not something you will even remember and it's not something you'll value past today so also the motivation for a lot of this is just a little bit of a fear of not being good enough or of disappointing others or of it's it's a lot of it I think is tied often to like a worry or a lack of confidence in ourselves so all of that is stuff you want to kind of unearth and shine a light on because right now it's like deceiving you which brings me to part three the tools that will help you hopefully 
create more personal time for yourself and cater to the things that deserve your time and specifically give yourself more time to just be and to not have to worry and not have to think at all. So remember, nobody builds and protects your happy life for you, but you, you are the gatekeeper. You have to put yourself first because no one's going to put you first besides you. Like you have to treat yourself like you are your personal bouncer in this life. So don't step away from the door to your time. When you are weighing something in the future that will take up massive amounts of your time and your attention, decide that based on this simple measure. Is this directly affecting my health, my happiness, and my well-being, or the happiness and well-being of my loved ones? Because if it's not, it's just going to be taking away from your life and your time for yourself. It's, an, it's a direct trade, and it's a very, very important one to look at like that. So I have three tools, um, and they're for different parts of this process. So the first one is just gut check. So you can always make more money. You can never make more time. And this is just something I want you to remember when you're in the moment of like you're about to take on a really time intensive obligation, even if it's just like a, you know, for a day, it's still not like a time that you could be using just spending with your family. So whenever you're posed with a question from somebody and you're like leaning toward, "Ah, I should do it, even if you really don't want to ask your gut. Who is saying this? Who wants this? Where is this coming from? Basically, you want to examine, like, where is that emotion? Is it in your belly? Is it, is it a negative one? Like, basically find out what, what's my motivation for this? Does this feel like guilt? Does this feel like I need to be perfect and I'm expecting myself to be perfect and an overachiever? Like, am I pushing myself beyond what I should be doing right now? Just like try and close your eyes and squint them and think like, where is this coming from? That's the first one. Really simple. Check your gut. Um, Number two, tool number two, it's called the happy stick. (laughs) It's not what you're thinking. Dirty, dirty minds. Um, It's basically, okay, it's a measuring stick. So it's like, think of it like a yardstick. And it's just, I call it the happy stick because it's measuring um, any new time suck commitments use this guide. Like if you're on the fence about doing something, think of it like a measuring, a personal measuring stick that you're going to use to build your perfect life as long as you use it. So it's based on a metaphor of a house. So the gist of it is that you have five guiding principles that overrule everything else and everything should be measured against this. So think of it as like the house you are building with a perfect uh, right angle this happy stick. Um, so you can write your own five, but these are mine and customize them if these don't ring true for you. So there are five. First one is building a building block. So for your house, you need a building block. And this is one of your measures. Is this a quality of life building block? Will this directly support my happiness or my health or my well-being? or those of my family. So if you need to do something you hate, but it's to make money to protect the well-being of your family, that makes sense. Number two is alignment. So let's call it a level. 
So you have you measure is this in alignment with my happiness? Will this sustain my happiness and not degrade it? Like if you're going to volunteer at a charity but you hate it, like you you loathe going to it, that's a no-go because you can find a charity that you do like to do. There's absolutely one out there. So never let guilt motivate anything. It's not helping you. It's not helping anyone else. Number three, wet cement. So this is a, a rule to check things against as though it's wet cement. So if this was to be permanent, like if this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and you will never get a chance to do it again or do a do-over, is there a chance you will regret it or you wish you could change it? Never let yourself make those mistakes. Number four, support beams. So this is a way to check if this is serving your higher purpose. And that could be as a byproduct or it can be directly. So if you don't know what your purpose in your life is yet, don't worry. It just sometimes it takes a while. It doesn't mean you should know it. But it will happen and it will happen likely very much by accident. Which is why it's really important to be outside of your routine. And number five is... The most important, well, I guess they're all important, but the fireplace, which is the heart of the home. So that's to measure, will this warm your heart for the rest of your life? Like, will this experience last in its value? Is it something that 100-year-old me will love and treasure fondly? And, or is it something that my family and my loved ones will treasure when I am gone? Because those moments really do maintain their value forever. And they grow in value exponentially. Like your life now can affect the lives of your children's children and their children. Like they can shape generations of friends and family. Just, I've, I mean, I've written about my grandfather before because of the amount that he inspired me and every single one of my cousins. Uh, but that's the kind of value that you don't realize now exists in you. You couldn't know, but it's massive. You could affect every, uh, everything about a child that's not even born's life, just the way they live their life. I guide so much of my life based on my grandfather. Um, not that I wasn't born then, but you know what I mean? So your spirit and your love and your, when your light in your heart is just beaming and bright, it has such immense power. So don't dull it and don't waste it and don't squander it on busyness. So just to recap the house, the foundation is the, the building blocks, the quality of life. The alignment or the level is about your happiness. The wet cement is about having no regrets. And the support beams are about your higher, reaching your highest purpose in life or supporting your highest purpose in life. And the fireplace is the warming of your heart and hearts of others for many years to come. So tool number three, the last, it's called go dark. So basically, deliberately remove yourself from the busyness in physical and mental form. The goal is basically to remove the structure that creates the actual constant need for your thought and attention space. 
So since it's kind of a thought, a bad thought habit that's tied to all of these systems around us, it's really difficult to let go of because it induces all sorts of fear and guilt and resistance. And I want you to be able to see just completely the stark contrast um, and the scope of it, of this effect, of the misperception you have for yourself. And in order to do that, you need to create a window of perception outside of it. So I'm basically saying like, get off the grid, break away from the busyness for one month. Does that sound ridiculous? Uh, I, I'm sure it does. But start planning for it now. Decide it's worth it because it takes total immersion. I know it can be extremely difficult to get a month to yourself, but this is like life trajectory altering. It will change everything about the way you live your life. It will reset everything the way you view everything. I did this myself and it was like one of the hardest things ever. And mainly because you panic and you think, you're going to lose your job. Everyone's going to like the world's probably falling apart. And if you have a family, I mean, you probably can't do it for this long. Just try, try for as long as you possibly can. Maybe take your family with you. Try scheduling at minimum just one week. And if you can't do that, just start with one full weekend, shutting connection to everything off and even warn everybody about it. Just try taking a break from the stuff, at least the stuff on your list that doesn't matter. I should clarify, that's what I did for a month. <laughs> so I took a break from the stuff that didn't matter. I didn't completely cut off um, from all technology, but I did go camping and there was no reception. But it it was like the heart, one of the most terrifying, difficult things ever because it's like, but I'm going to have to, I should, but they're going to be mad at me. And I, it's like all of those thought habits that are just unnecessary garbage. You don't even know they're garbage though. That's why I want you to have this experience because what you will likely learn when you go dark, you come back and nothing has changed. All of the busyness, it's all bullshit. It's all just crap in your head. They're just thoughts surrounding all the stuff all the structures that people build to feel safe and that they're doing their job and that they're doing what they're supposed to and they're all unnecessary it's not you could do exactly the same things you're already doing now without having all the thoughts around it because they're not helping you they're just stealing you so if you're still not convinced just try detaching and relaxing for one day and see if you can do it you should be able to do it. Your grandparents were able to do it, but it's built into your brain by just the systems of communication, like phones and emails. So now's the time to recognize this state, see that it's hard for you, see that you're like stuck in it and start reversing the effects. Why? So you can enjoy the rest of your life and actually remember it. Have real genuine, just marked changes and memories and stages that are, things are different. So I know I went through a lot, very passionate about this. Uh, I, I know it's hard to untrain a lot of this because that guilt can make you feel haunted by the things that you're not doing. It makes you feel like you are not doing a good job or you're not good enough or it'll make you second guess yourself and your worth. And I know it's got a lot of emotional ties to your insides. So this process 
of making this deliberate shift has to be done by force because you want it and it is worth it. It can change your entire life for the better. So treat this as a wake-up call. So just to recap what we learned, we learned the why, the value of the time to do nothing, and why your brain needs that time to do nothing, because it's when you clear all the gunk, keeps you healthy, um, and that it actually directly creates your happiness. When you're happier when you're present, and when you stay busy, you lose that ability. And all of the busy work is unnecessary. Um, you can always make more money. You can never make more time. And uh, that you should always protect your time because no one else is going to build your happy life for you. Their job is to do that for themselves, and your job is to do that for you. Number two, we did a schedule diagnosis on your journal entry. So you confronted, hopefully, what uh, your schedule needs to lose because it is created and enforced by you. And we allowed our deathbed self to examine the schedule and highlight what was not worth it in the end. And then we learned three tools to make time. The gut check, a happy stick to build your house, and going dark. So if you are to do nothing else, I have one marching order from this. If you just do one thing after listening to this, allow yourself guilt-free to do nothing today, even just for part of the day, and just treat it like an assignment. Block out an hour or two and give yourself nothing assignments, like block them out on your calendar, um, because that's really valuable time. You just don't know that now. You can't feel that now because you're stuck in stress mode. So I wanted to close with a quote from Brawny, uh, our nurse lady, because when I was reading her stuff, I was like, wow, I love this lady. This is Bronnie's quote, Bronnie Ware. Um, I feel blessed that life has guided me through the tests it has. Without such stretching, I could have never known just how many blessings initially arrive disguised as challenges. I could have not become the person I am now, one at peace with who she is and connected with her purpose of serving through positive example. Life constantly reminds me just how similar we all truly are. We all want peace. We all want happiness. We all wish to live true to our heart's own song. The whole world benefits from those brave enough to do so. So with that, I send you my love, and I will be thinking of you and cheer you on. And if you, would, if you liked this, I would love a review on iTunes or any shout-out, really. <laughs> and uh, life feels like it's long, but it's really not. Make it count. Make all of it count. And uh, don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.